Okay, uh, just like to welcome everyone to another film roundtable. My name is Matthew Wolf, and I'm very excited to introduce our two panelists today. Uh, before I introduce them, though, and get started on the conversation, I just want to lead us through uh, uh, what we normally do on film roundtable as a moment of silence to honor. Well, as of today, which is Sunday, October the 3rd, that 4,801,111 reported worldwide COVID deaths. Uh, we'd also like to honor all of our black and brown brothers and sisters, as well as our First Nations uh, brothers and sisters who have, whose lives have been taken by the hands of police brutality and other senseless, senseless acts of violence. So, uh, please join me in a moment of silence. Okay, thank you so much, everyone. Uh, I think uh, uh, at Film Roundtable, we think it's important to kind of keep track of everything going on in, in this world, even as we go back to work, many of us are going back to work and our lives are returning to some kind of normalcy. You know, for many people, that's still a long way away. And um, that's why we want to kind of remember, you know, what's going on in the world right now. So thank you for joining us for that. Um, now back to uh, the conversation in hand, and I'm very excited. Uh, we're all very excited at the Film Roundtable to introduce you to Kazra Farahani and Autumn Gerald Arkapur, who are the uh, production designer and director of photography on the Disney series, Loki. Uh, welcome today, guys. Thanks for having us. It's been, a, it's been a while trying to get you guys together, trying to get us together to make this happen. But um, thanks, for, thanks for bearing with all the hurdles. Um, so I, want to, I want you to start off, obviously I'm gonna let you guys riff about, you know, as much as possible as I understand it. You both done many interviews separately, but not one together. So um, it's going to be a joining of two great forces. And uh, so we're all excited to see where that leads. Uh, I'm going to try and back off as much as I can and um, let you guys riff. But I, I kind of, I guess I want you to start by um, asking you both. And I'm not 100% sure, but I'm fairly certain this was probably both your first Marvel experience. Is that correct? Well, as, uh, as a as a production yeah, designer, Kazra, as a no. production designer, though, right? Kazra. Yes, as a department head, yes. That's for me, yes, it was for sure. Right, and obviously you, Autumn, as a director of photography uh, or cinematographer, um, and so I, you know, I'd like to know what that was like and how how does it differ from any other show or movie that you guys have worked on before? You know, um, is there more pressure knowing that there's going to be more scrutiny from the, such a large fan base as there is? you know, in the Marvel universe. I'll let Kazra answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think that there's a, there's pressure to deliver uh, something excellent looking and extraordinary and creative, but I don't think that it's um, necessarily more so because of the fan expectations. I feel like in, in a, by the time Autumn and I show up, there's a lot of people there that have kind of gone through 
the canon of the Marvel world basically and distilled the relevant pieces into the script that we're working from. So I feel like um, others are more responsible if the fans don't like, don't like uh, what's been selected for us to depict. I mean, certainly like uh, Autumn and I are responsible for what the thing ends up looking like, but in terms of, or, or we're among many people, we're responsible for what it ends up looking like. But in terms of like the stuff that I think really gets, uh, can tick off fans, uh, that's sort of above our pay grade, I think. Yeah, I mean, what, yeah, exactly what he said. But then also I felt like because he, he had worked in Marvel before Kazard had, and so he has the experience of the machine a bit. Um, and you know is experienced in kind of that process, which is is very unique um, now that I know about it. But I really felt like because I it was my first project and I came on, and then I'm getting, you know, Kate's like, this is what I want to do, and then she shows me Kazra's pitch, and then I go into his office and he has all this stuff on the wall, and it's like, oh, this this actually looks really good. <laughs> I was like, these wow, okay, so we're making something that looks good, and, and you know, it's it's gonna be cool and like different, so. That, that kind of realization happened to me. Like in the interview, it happens because people you know, show you their lookbooks and you're like, okay. And then you sign on and then you actually go in the office and you're like, this is what the designer and the director are kind of you know, driving towards. And then you get excited. So for me, it was, it, it was about that. I think it's like the people above me or that came before me were like trying to like knock it out the park. So it's like, oh, okay. So now I have to okay, this is good, you know. Um, but yeah, I just kind of followed suit because, you know, the structure was there for me to riff off of. But um, yeah, he would he would clue me in, Kazra would clue me into like stuff I didn't know about because he obviously is designing for the story and what came before it. So I kind of leaned on him and Kate when it came to that kind of stuff because I'm not so versed in Marvel more now than before, but yeah. Yeah, but I think Autumn's totally right in that like, that that, that was the... I think it's a really important distinction because I have worked on a few different Marvel projects, albeit in different capacities. I do feel like this one felt very different in the way that Autumn described in that because it wasn't, um, because this was, this story was sort of happening in like a new world for the Marvel um, universe. Um, we didn't have as much stuff that we were beholden to uh, in terms of, pre-existing visual styles that we were beholden to. So like she described, that was really exciting. And I think that, you know, um, Kate and Kevin Wright, our creative producer, like part of the team they were putting together, including Autumn and myself, like uh, I think reflects uh, maybe by design, they wanted something that was going to feel different visually than all the other Marvel stuff. I mean, obviously you look at like Autumn's work, which is singular and so distinct. Um, it's obviously a choice uh, when you pick Autumn to come and like blow, blow up that, that world of, of uh, precedent in terms of photography in the Marvel world with something innovative and really dramatic like what our marvel or what autumn brings to marvel um i think is a big uh a, was a great um kind of early on 
indicator of how bold they were open for us to go visually, basically. Uh, something that you something you said uh, before, because there's a couple of things you both said that made me think of some questions. Um, uh, but let me start with with you, Autumn. Uh, how much, you know, Casper just said your style. I was, you know, it was obviously on show here during the show. I mean, how much do you think of yourself as bringing a style, or you know, did you did you adapt your style to the to the show? Um, sure. uh, because you know, obviously, I think you know. I can speak from a cinematographer's standpoint, you know, I feel like we want to be malleable when, when we go to different projects, yeah. but often we like to, people like to pigeonhole us in certain styles of films and projects yeah. that we tend to get. I'm sure it's probably the same as a production designer. Mm. Um, so, you know, and we obviously always are striving to, to test our creativity and push those boundaries to do something different. Um, you know, how much of, you know, were you, were you both tested and, uh, and did you manage to bring something new not just for the show, but for yourselves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Should you, you want to go first, Autumn? Yeah, well, I was going to say it's, it's easy. It's interesting because I guess that's a question you could get asked on any project um, mm -hmm. because I've definitely gotten pigeonholed um, and I'm sure Kazra has his own story with like, you know, coming of age stuff because that was mm -hmm. kind of my first project that came out. Um, but it, it really is so important if, and I see this now, like if you bring the right people together, cause then your taste and your style gets highlighted. And mm -hmm. it just happened to be that, um, and I remember Kate saying this in the interview, I think it was our, my first day back and she kept pending. She's like, you're gonna, you love Kazar. I can't wait for you to meet him. You're gonna, you're gonna get along with him. Great. Like she already knew that like um, in her choice. Um, and that's so huge because I don't know many directors actually necessarily think to do that or think that they're doing it on purpose. But when mm -hmm. it works out, um, I'm going to shine because he, you know, him and I's taste align. And mm -hmm. and I'm not answering this because he's just here, but it, it is true that he's I'm supporting his taste. He's supporting my taste um, and they align in the same kind of fashion. But um, I was able to be free with my stuff and, and kind of visually, you know, take risks because Kate was on board, but also he was designing stuff that was in line with what I would already do. You know, it's like, I'm getting his illustrations and I'm like, and you know, obviously in his illustrations, he, you know, puts light sources in there or quality of light comes before me. And I'm like, that looks amazing. That's, I would do that anyways. Or like, you know, I, you know, obviously on set, I'll try and replicate that because it's already there. Um, so I was already allowed to kind of bring that to the table because of the people I was being coupled with. Um, so yeah, I did feel like I could be free and I felt like same for him, like he was allowed to express his um, you know, artistry and he's so talented in his design that um, we never really had issues, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm trying to do this and I can't do it or we don't, you know, have the same. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think that this was, um, you know, I think, this happens once in a while, but it's not super common that like there was a definite visual synchronicity between the what I think is a visually priority for me and visually a priority for Autumn. And the other thing I'll add to that is like also this, the source material that we're working with happened to um, have those kind of opportunities because, you know, like 
not every piece of, not every script um, has a lot of visual opportunities full stop, Let, uh, but other times they may have visual opportunities, but they're not necessarily going to sync up with one or bo both person's taste. And like this, this really did in so many ways, like the aesthetic of um, authoritarianism and bureaucracy and but with like an, with a strangeness, uh, you know, this combination of awe and oppression and el tiny elements of humor. It just like, it's part, it's in my wheelhouse. It's the stuff I like to design in terms of, I like to design a, a degree of kind of architectural for architecturally forward designs. Um, and that are very much built around integrated lighting and have a lot of kind of sculptural architectural elements. And Autumn's style is naturally this beautiful, low, wide coverage that like dovetails perfectly into what, what I thought was the best approach to the material and what the material was clearly, I think, kind of asking for. So I, I think, um, to answer your question, like, yeah, definitely. I think I have, I have a point of view, if, if not a style. And, and you're right that you try to let the source material to a degree, at least inform what the style is, uh, obviously to a great degree, but hopefully, you know, you have something to say, which is why you're on this job. But in, in this unique circumstance, there was this kind of perfect alignment of these things that I think is why the show looks like it looks and why, you know, we've been lucky enough to get the reaction we've had to it. Yeah. I, I mean, for sure. It's, uh, we, when we, I think when we first spoke a few months ago about doing the talk, you were only three episodes in to the shows that had been aired so far. And since then the reaction, I mean, the reaction was already great, but since then, you know, some of the reviews I've read online and, uh, saying that some, a lot of people say this is the best, the best model experience, you know, on so many, on so many levels, that must be um, a huge compliment, you know, for you guys, obviously. But part of that, I think is, you know, is, is due to you guys, as well as the performances and the direction, uh, the whole ensemble. Um, but, you know, the fact that you've, it seemed, you know, you, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that most of what you shot was practical, uh, as opposed to set extensions. Uh, and the fact that you, you know, use your low wide angles to involve, include the ceilings and um, and what and how impressive they were. I mean, that was one of the first things that, from the very first episode, that jumped out to me uh, as a cinematographer. And um, you know, I just shot a project, uh, a short film project, and the director, as one of the references, said, um, "I really love these, like this look as a, you know, as a reference." And I said, "Oh, great! What is it?" And he sent me this image, and it was. It was the image of um, of Owen uh, Wilson and um, I can't think of the actress's name. You know, she was playing the uh, the guy that originally the the, the the officer that originally captured Loki. You know, they're they're standing in that in that wide office, the TVA for the first time. You're looking up at the two of them, and you know, you see this this incredible uh, this incredible vaulted ceiling with all the lights and it's it's so impressive because mm -hmm. it feels it's so natural yet at the same time so cinematic. Um, now I know you've probably talked about this a bunch, um, 
uh, about you know how you manage to do this but but i think what i'm interested in is something you touched upon in our previous conversation is that how working together as the team managed to make that possible whereas perhaps mm -hmm. had you not been who you both are that might not have happened so i'm interested to hear about that absolutely yeah yeah i mean i think i think it sort of dovetails to the to the thing we were just talking about in the last question. It was like basically because of my, my visual priorities and Autumn's visual priorities were so synced. Um, it's why we were be able to advocate for building 360 degree sets a lot of the time with intact uh, ceilings with integrated lighting. Um, was because you know it's an ex it's an expensive and uh, enterprise to do that. But if, you know, if I can convince the riders to put enough scenes into the space and Autumn uh, plans to shoot in a way that you see the, you see the thing, um, well, then it makes, uh, it makes good financial sense on top of making very good narrative and visual sense as well, especially in a, in a story like ours, which is so much about like, you know, the tactility of this space, this like lived in um, kind of grungy authoritarian patina that contrasts the grand scale of the architecture. is like, you're just not gonna get that kind of gritty texture um, if, if you don't have the, you know, a big chunk of the set there. It's gonna be harder for Autumn to, haze it the way she wants if like there's a blue screen behind two thirds of the frame mm -hmm. um, that they have to replace. And so it was just, yeah, both of us wanting that, I think made that argument so much stronger. Yeah, and it's cool to have, to have done that and see the results pay, pay forward because sometimes you, I guess you can fight for stuff and then you do it and, and you don't really get that feedback you know, that like, oh, wow, this was important, you know, to speak up and Kazar and Kate spoke up about it and involved me in it, you know, um, but it, it's just, it's thoughtful filmmaking. I don't know how else to put it, but when you have people that are being thoughtful about everybody's department in a sense, not just their own, um, and, you know, he's thinking about the space as far as, you know, just how it's shot and how it's lit and, you know, Kate comes from a place where she, you know, she has these bold references that she's really into and, you know, darker cinema and, you know, noir and, and she's open to these ideas, right? She's, she's chosen filmmakers to support her that she's allowing to kind of, you know, uh, flex their, you know, their thoughts and their ideas and, and you know, not um, like, you know, put up a barrier about things. So it was really nice to just be in that environment with everybody, but yeah, I mean, it was something that was asked for that I think, you know, Kazar and Kate kind of were like, okay, this isn't something we're gonna automatically get, you know, and then we had to talk about it. Um, and obviously I'm on board and um, it was great, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's nice to see that everybody liked that. Cause architecturally, like if you're given these spaces as a DP and you know this, Matt, I mean, you know, we, we light them, but you have to have something amazing to light to, you know, um, in general, so that that's really it's such a big part of it. So, yeah, and I'll I'll add to that that um, it wasn't a for sure thing that we were gonna win that fight. Uh, <laughs> it was dicey for a while, and um, you would know more than I. 
<laughs> it was ten. It was tense at times, and because it's, you know it's a big, uh, it's a big investment. Understandably, should be scrutinized. Um, but like Autumn said, it was a, it was a big relief that it paid off as well as it did because because uh, we had to hard sell it, and it really was just me and Autumn and Kate all and Kevin, our producer. It was the four of us like really pushing for it. That was the only way it got through. So we all kind of had our neck on the line. So it's great for all of us that it was the right choice and paid off. Yeah, that's that's, that's funny. That leads me to a, to a, to one of my other questions. It ties in nicely. Um, I mean, obviously, with that responsibility on your shoulders after you guys have done such a hard sell, were there any moments during the production where you had like, oh shit, moments like we're in way over our head here. It's like, oh god, what have we done? Or God, it's like because obviously, uh, you know. You know, obviously, we, you know, we've all done projects of varying sizes, but, you know, you try to step up, you know, when you can, and there's, there's constant challenges, hopefully, that you mm -hmm. haven't faced before. So, you know, I'm wondering yeah, whether you, you had any of those moments. And the re before you answer, the reason I ask that is because often people don't ask those difficult mm -hmm. questions. And I think it's important for, for young up-and-comers to kind of hear of any kind of difficulties or problems if you know if you can remember any so mm. i'll let kazra answer that one <laughs> i mean I, I will say one thing it's i i do notice i i did notice this i mean because things are coming his way before that they're coming to me right you know he's designing the space he's reading the script you know he has to come up with stuff um you know if someone's thinking about you before it gets to you that's a huge huge weight off your shoulders like i'm not like there there was not one time where kazra was like here's a turd make something out of it you know what I mean? like, which i've had in the past you know it's like on lower budgets or it's it's hard right because people are backs against the wall and you have sure. to come up with stuff but i'll let him speak about that because i i never felt like i was um it was a time thing to shoot right like how do we shoot yeah. this in the amount of time and if we did have blue screen right Kaz, it was like you know like how do we kind of we, we were so much about making something feel real and look real that him mm -hmm. and I were like, you know, oh, how do we do that? But yeah, he probably has a better answer because um, he helped. No, me. I think you're right. I, I think definitely the, the trickiest stuff were, were the times where we were relying on set extension, um, which we, we tried to minimize, but inevitably when you have a show that takes place on in so many different places and space and in uh, other dimensions, like you have a degree of that. And I think that, that was always the trickiest things to plan uh, and it took a lot of, uh, collaboration with Autumn and I and VFX department to get out in front of it. Uh, because when, when we're building the sets that are mostly practical, what we, we can, Autumn and I can control so much more of it um, in camera. So, so I think that's true. I, and I think the other thing, the, the kind of, oh shit, or, you know, what, you know, if I read between the lines, maybe what that means is like things deviating from what's anticipated uh, the kind of inherent bucking bronco of production, especially, which is, you know, it's inherent to production, especially when you're dealing with something that's, you know, episodic, but has this feature ambition to it. And especially when you're in our situation where you're starting and you don't have six scripts, you know, you've got two scripts, but you're budgeting and scheduling and planning the, you know, how many sound stages you need, what's on location and what's on a stage and what order are you flipping sets? So like you're doing that with pretty incomplete information. 
So, and then you add to that the variable of COVID and shutting down to, yeah. you know, to, for six months. So inevitably that introduces this sort of, oh shit thing where you're like, you know, COVID happens and then things that were going to be a location are now going to be stage sets. And they weren't anticipated for that. They weren't visually conceived of for the kind of con confines of a stage. So uh, like the void was originally going to be part of it was going to be on location and part of it was going to be a back lot. Um, but it just didn't end up working that way. And I think, and I think um, it ended up being fine, but it was one of those things where it was like a lot of game time decisions for a little while till we worked out the logistics of that pivot. Similarly, there are sets. This is, you know, particularly the case for the scripts that are later, you know, the later episodes where, you know, you're, you think something's happening because you're working from an outline and they've got certain scenes that are supposed to happen there and you design or plan around what that action is and the script is in constant flux, you know, uh, not constant flux, but it evolves. So there's a few times that didn't happen a lot, but there's a few times where you, uh, comes time to shoot it and what you've designed and built is, maybe more set than you need. And other times it's not enough set um, because you know, the page counts are fluctuating in, in those spaces. So, you know, to the degree you can, when you see that coming, you try to like curtail the scope. If it's, if your page counts lower than you thought, and you, you try to add to the scope if the page counts higher than you thought, but within, within the bounds of what you can do, considering, you know, the, the horse has left the barn already, you know, like stage space is allocated, you know, construction documentation is done, lighting and rigging has been planned. Um, so those are the sorts of things that are, uh, I, I think just part of the deal, especially on the, on larger productions, uh, COVID probably exacerbated it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, this, this, you know, did it, did you, you know, did you ever feel like, I mean, Kasra, you worked on, on Disney shows before under different guises, but this was your first time as a production designer on Disney show, right? So, um, yeah. and Autumn, your first time as a cinematographer, I mean, did you, did you ever have, did, did the, the, the enormity of the machine ever feel like overwhelming? At any point, you know, the, you know, there would be a lot more eyes on this than there would be normally on something you've done before. Never felt like the machine, like the machine was the pressure. It's just maybe Kazar would agree. It the pressure on myself to to try and, you know, you want to do a good job and you want to uh, serve the people that came before you, you know, you, you, there's a reference to these types of films and, you know, no one wants to continue to repeat, you know, um, you know, something that's been done before you're, you're as a filmmaker, you're always trying to like do something new and innovative with the people that you're surrounded, right. You know, cause that, that makes such a difference in kind of what you end up doing. But, um, no, I, I felt the pressure of time, maybe because we're, you know, these shows, like you say, that they have, they're they're like films, but you have more, um, 
page count and you know it's six episodes so and you've got all these beautiful sets right so it's like you know you want to shoot all these cool shots but like you really do have to kind of rein it in and be very specific and your time is very limited um and you know scenes are added like he says you know they they're writing as we go so then you're getting new scenes and you know Kazra's like pulling a ship scene out of his ass or something <laughs> like all of a sudden there's this huge scene. I'm like uh what are you gonna do here um you know and it happens it just happens but you know it that's the kind of thing that we're dealing with or you know he's more so dealing with it as far as like what is he gonna um, come up with you know quickly that serves our needs for shooting and um you know vfx but yeah i just feel like time is the pressure on these things and as it is with anything like smaller films and indies and stuff but you feel it more here because you have all the tools and you have such beautiful things to you know in front of you it's not like a indie movie where you have you know a, the sun and a camera you know so you can you know, be quick you know there's so many people on set and it's it's a big big um there's just a lot of people so um it moves a bit slower so that's really what i felt at least um and 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 you know he's kind of like me where we're very very particular and we we want everything the way that we want it and we don't want to um you know you know half-ass anything and it, it's important to get things right um and be specific because all the time that's went in before it to design it and all the construction people and all the art decorators and the set decorators and um art directors and so it's just one of those things where it's like when i'm there shooting it, it's like i don't want to like you know i want to make everyone proud that put all that effort into it um i think but, i think autumn's it, being yeah. a bit being a bit modest though honestly because like <laughs> no seriously because it's worth it's worth stressing one thing that she did say which is that these are while they're series the um, having worked on three Marvel, three or four Marvel feature films before this, I can tell you that this series is every bit as technical uh, and visually ambitious as every one of those features that I worked on. I'd say I'm not a, I'm not exaggerating when I say I think they're actually more visually intense than any of those features that we worked on. Um, and Autumn and Kate and the shoot crew are shooting easily double the per, you know sometimes three times as many pages as per day as those features have to shoot in their shoot schedule with every bit of the same technical challenges same amount of complex lighting and riggings same degree of stunt work visual effects set extension uh, special effects work all these technical things that are time consuming delay your setups that have to be counted for uh, and you know, autumn is a big part of of getting that day's work in the can. And so I think she's she's underrepresenting uh, how hard that is, uh, specifically on this project because it's uh, it has the ambition and in some ways the resources of a Marvel feature, but it's way more content and and not proportionally more time. Uh, there's more time, but not proportionally more time. Uh, and that comes down to, you know, Autumn and of course, Kate and Richard Graves, our AD and, and a lot of really other talented, smart people on set to like Jenga, figure that Jenga puzzle out. So. Yeah. We, we have great crew though. He brings on great crew. I bring on great crew. Yeah. Um, that's very important to my job um, and as, as it is to him as well. So that, that makes us, you know, 
able to do our to be creative and do all these really cool things is mm -hmm. have people and execute things quickly and, mm -hmm. and have the same taste level. Um, yeah, yeah. That, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, I wonder. Um, you know, all this technical uh, technical challenges that you face that Casper just mentioned, Autumn. And how much of that was new for you, and, and how much do you rely on? You know, on on having a good crew. Kind of. I mean, for me. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's the same for all of us, but you know, if you have a good crew and you know there's a certain, you can relax and be creative when you know you're being supported by a good crew. Um, but how much of that, you know, if let's say, for example, you know, you're, you know, uh, and Catherine, you know, you, and that the, probably the, this is something that might be going into the macro level um, for anyone that doesn't know how things work, but in terms of, you know, keeping notes. You know, on um, you know, uh, if you're coming back to a set three weeks later or three months later, you know, are you, you know, from a lining perspective, are you, you know, making sure that your your levels set are the same? You know, your stop, your shooting stop is the same. Uh, you know, that making sure that you know every, you know, from a set perspective, everything is is put back in the right place. I mean, just you know, again, from on a pure macro level, how you know, how do you stay on top of all that kind of stuff? Can you hear that? Yeah, what is it? Thunder. Is it really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thunder and lightning. So. What's your house? What's your apartment made of? <laughs> oh, it's a house, so I'm fine. But it's yeah. It's okay. <laughs> loud. Um, yeah. No, I mean my crew's everything. I mean I I've always been very um, just yeah. Ever since I came up in smaller films and indies, um, I've carried my crew with me as much as I could. Meaning like, you know, I have a lot of people that worked on Loki that I've worked with for years. They know my taste. Um, personally, I trust them. Um, you know, and you know, it's like they, they drive you, you know, we butt heads, but they care so much, right? You know, it's like they care because they want to do a good job, not, they're not, you know, phoning it in. Um, and so that makes me able to do my job. And, and on these, like Kazar was mentioning, it's like, these are, you know, on these big days and these, um, these big shows, you, you really do um, have a lot to, to get through, um, you know, in, in one day and just as a whole. So um, crew is very important to me. Um, and yeah, I've always been, I'm just kind of like loyal. Like that's, that's kind of, you know, how I am about like people that I've worked with in the past. I tend to work with the same people. So on, on Loki, I was able to bring a lot of my crew to kind of round that, that answer up. It's just that, uh, so pretty much every, buddy on my crew except for a few locals I'd worked with before um, and brought them from Los Angeles. Um, it's very busy in Atlanta at the time and um, you know I was able to bring people and we had a fantastic line producer who Kazra and I um, worked well with and they were also very supportive mm -hmm. of us and um, that was very nice but yeah um, and I loved his crew too. I, uh, Kazra's crew and you know I've I've worked with some of them afterwards and I'm always just with them going like, oh, Kazra, he's so great. <laughs> <laughs> so his crew was great too. So it just, it's like, you know, it's a love fest with the crews. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I mean, you're like, what the fuck are we going to do? And then, you know, yeah, yeah. stressful, obviously that happens. Like, yeah. I don't want to sound like him and I are not never like saying like, what are we doing here? But yeah, um, it helps when you like the person, and, and if any anything's negative, it's it's for the greater good. And you, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're nice people, so that helps. Yeah. What um, 
uh, what was do you do you guys have um, like a a most fun memory? Would you say that's something that was the most like one scene or uh, like was your favorite set Kazra or your favorite scene and autumn same for you you know obviously i'm sure everything was great but you know do you have a particular favorite thing that you can you know that you look at uh, i was really proud of that specific thing more than anything or i love that moment because of x y and z you know i mean for me there's two there's a lot i mean there was a lot of moments i was really uh proud of of what what we all did together um but there were two that i that i, I guess stand out one is the time theater just because it was first it was like our first stage set and um uh you know having uh, you know it come to life with like it had been designed with this kind of uh concrete grid in the ceiling uh with these square apertures to create these kind of um the squares of light and like just seeing what Autumn and her team did to bring it to life and even add this element of having them having these kind of columns of light move. Uh, that was very gratifying to see. Um, and it was just early on and we'd only been shooting locations as is often the case. You start on location because you need a little bit more time to get the stage work going. And look at the locations were, were great, but like they're visually. What did we start with? I we started I with the uh, the TV archives and the John Portman oh, building, right. I think. And then we read Rock's Card. Oh, we, had, we had a few locations that were like cool, but um, you know we're just waiting to get into that first stage build. So that was exciting when we got into there. And then the other thing I remember is this awesome. Uh, crane shot that autumn did this dolly out in the ms minutes queue mm. that was inspired by the but with the ceiling of eyeballs is inspired by the brewer building uh and it's just it's a nice lovely wide lens to, on the telescoping crane coming back and the parallax on all those eyeballs in the ceiling uh and tom doing his magic it was like just a really exciting shot uh so those are the ones awesome what about you autumn yeah well, uh, well as he was talking i mean all those things i and this kind of starts to go into production designer dp zone where it's more is i'm all is well it's, it's like when you, the i see the illustration and then you know you kind of stop in on the builds, right? Because we're chasing the builds, right? And, you know, he has a crazy schedule. And like you said, we started at practical locations. So it gives them more time to get their build schedule and he has tons of sets. And, you know, so we're busy shooting. So I don't always get to stop into these sets. Um, but to meet someone who is as com like compulsive <laughs> and obs obsessive as I am, that like the finishes, you know, him and his finishes, and his concrete, you know, he's always calling me down to his office, like, is this color? What do you think of this color? You know, like this is a saturation and, you know, architecture and design first. And, you know, I'm like, oh, this looks great. You know, involving me and like, just having me take a peek at it. And I'm like, always like, this looks great. Obviously your choices are great. And then I get on set and it's, it to have someone pay that much attention to detail that I show up on set 
And sometimes we do a pre-light. A lot of times it was hard to do pre-lights for, for the schedule. Uh, we could, you know, obviously my crew's doing a pre-light, but like me there with camera and getting my time, um, not always the case. But every time I walked on one of these sets, like it was a great experience. Like I'd say the only time I was stressed out and he knows this is when I was outside and there was no set. <laughs> and he tried really hard to give me some ground or some yeah, like, yeah. kind of undulating thing to like riff off of and put the camera low. You know, he's like, well, I'm trying to give you some berms and you yeah. know, some, some reflective like dirt. And, you know, so always thinking of me, but yeah, that's the only time. I mean, if there's a set there, I'm walking in and I'm stoked. So yeah, um, yeah time theater, I, I really loved. Cause that was, like you said, was like, you know just so amazing conceptually. And then when you're on the ground, it was amazing. But one thing I wanted to bring up for, he'll laugh at me is, there's a scene rocks cart. <laughs> I remember when we scouted it, I gave him such a hard time because it was like, what, like, how are you going to make this look good? It was like this empty kind of imagine like a 1982 targets, but like stripped. There's nothing there. And I'm just like, yeah. we're so fucked. This is, I don't know. And you know, giving him a hard time. Like, what are we going to do? And then I show up and it actually ends up being like, I love that sequence so much. You know, we found a way to kind of work with the lighting above and my crew was awesome and worked with his crew. And then he gave me, you know, foreground and just, it, it just worked out. So it's, it, it's nice to, to go to someone and be like, I'm stressed about something. And ultimately that's one of my favorite sequences. Cause that episode, I think episode two, the hanger at the end, um, you know, that, that, you know, and he, he's designing, thinking about the story, right. Cause sometimes I go in there and I'm like, what can we do here? And I'm not always thinking about the story. And so then he's, backing that up with like you know giving us rows that we can turn around and shoot through and stuff and we talked about like transparency and seeing you know through things and just a bunch of stuff so um I was very excited to walk into these sets and and be happy you know not depressed yeah. <laughs> that's great that's great um I'd, I'd love to know um I'd love to know about the the all those practicals did you did you in the ceilings well, I know some of them were like probably like silver tip bulbs, you said, I think. Um, but were any of them on the large scale that you were working in? Were any of them, did you have to build or make any of them? Or, or did you have to, you know, were they all, you know, we painted shot? every one of them. They were all those silver tips were custom painted. Every Are you serious? And yeah, I think we, your team custom frosted them because I was yeah. talking to Brian and I for this article. And he reminded me of like, yeah, like you guys are working with them on like making those exactly special so that everyone was getting what they wanted. And like oh, yeah. to, to the point where the dome, right? The, the, the type of paint that you put on the yeah. dome and uh, yeah. So yeah, no, the, the, uh, that's exactly right. Um, <clears throat> basically we, uh, we played around with a lot of different levels of sheen on the inside of the dome surface to try to find the most even basically look. We're trying to avoid hot spots in there. And we were inevitably getting hot spots because the top of the, the uh, silver tips was clear. So we ended up having the paint department paint like thousands, the top half paint thousands of these bulbs, frost, frost them all to, to diffuse that when they shine up there. And then we, tint, we tinted some of the bowls dirtier and then we worked with um, the fixtures crew on Audubon's team who were in charge of the fixtures lighting to like build in a degree of modulation 
So if you look at them, there's like some bulbs that are dimmer than others and some that are dirtier and browner than others. So it's part of that. This is part of that thing we were talking about earlier about like what you get when you actually have a physical ceiling. You have an opportunity to bring this tactile lived in kind of patina into the space that, you know, probably if that was a set extended ceiling might not have gotten that degree of care may have, may have done, but it's tough because that, uh, and I think Autumn, Autumn and I have uh, commiserated about this, that like, you know, we're just not involved with um, the post process very much, you know, like we, we're involved with it to the extent that we can inform it and plan for it during prep and production. But, you know, when camera wraps, we're, we're done. So, um, our ability to really control takes a significant nosedive basically right then. <laughs> so yeah, so anyways, that's a small detail that I think contributes to what that place looks like that if it had been set extended, we may not have had. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing I was saying before. It's like you're walking into sets where there, there are full spaces to shoot. Like, you know, maybe the extension is like, I don't know, 200 feet down the way or something like shrew was something i didn't bring yeah. up obviously that was a favorite but again like you know we shot that a bit later after covid so mm -hmm. you know i've been excited way before that but that was mm -hmm. exciting to like step on and i saw i was able to see him you know in his process there because we'd take visits as they were building um but you know giving me as much full set as i can you know it's like and the extension is somewhere that's not right in front of me you know it's mm -hmm. off camera right you know, so it's like something that it might be blurry. It's not like, you know, I'm shooting a wall right there. Um, and that's thoughtful, you know, it's like thinking about, okay, if, well, if I'm going to build, if I have to build blue screen in this, I'm going to take as much money as I can, put it in front of the camera. And then maybe back there, you know, we'll talk to VFX and we'll deal with that, you know, corner down the way that's going to be in the way background. And she's also shooting anamorphic. So then that's not so horrible, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I'd love to get it. I'd love to get onto the discussion about post in a second. Um, just, just going back to the lighting scenario when you're making those bulb practical and you're spraying them and painting them all to, you know, uh, autumn. And this is a technical. I don't normally get into technical stuff too much, but um, uh, but you know, did you go in with a plan to have like a working stock throughout, or did you approach each scene differently? Uh, and then. You know, with all those as practical as if most of the time you're using that as your main source and you're just bringing something in here and there to kind of lift and model the actors, you know, you know, how did that working with what was there affect, affect those plans? Yeah, I mean, I always shoot at a two, well, I always shoot wide open if it's a certain lens that doesn't fall apart, you know, on me too much. Um, and from, you know, Marvel show, you want to be kind to VFX and kind to everybody, you know, like you want to be able, you don't want it to get too messy, right? You know, there's a lot of thought going into the images, so you want them to resolve properly. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I always shoot it at like a two eight or less, you know, sometimes. So that's just me. Um, and, you know, I have good crew, so I can do that. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't really, yeah, the stop. The, I think the, the stop didn't really. Um, that's something that I always shoot at. And obviously, you know, we did tests and Kaz was on board. Like you do tests just to be like, okay, these are our lenses, and 
this is what it's going to look like and this is the fall off factor and is everyone okay with how this is looking and you know obviously Blade Runner was a reference and there's other films that you know kind of you know you're not coming out of the gate like surprise you know people kind of know your style so um but but also you know shooting at the stop and 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 these lenses are beautiful when you you have depth and you have practical sources that fall off and you have structure with architecture and stuff so it's like a lot of the way that that looks and the stop is shining because it has those layers of, of uh, depth in the set and um you know all he's always building practical you, you know um there's a lot of mid-century uh, units everywhere in the ceiling that i'm seeing that are kind of you know blooming and stuff so um but if yeah if that answers your question i, I try yeah. to uh, shoot well, mostly sure. wide open for the face thank you yeah it does yeah um uh, so let's just get if you're okay i just want to talk about the post scenario you brought it up kazra and it was one of my questions um uh, I mean, uh, uh, we kind of touched upon it a little bit um, at some point, but, you know, we're not part of most, quite often we're not, you know, as I know about cinematographers, but I didn't know about production designers. Uh, we're not part of the post process. So, you know, you, you work really hard up until a point and then you hand it off and then it can become in danger of becoming something completely different. Um, and, you know, I know there's always been, at least from a from a cinematographer point of view, a fight to try and stay on board and perhaps be paid, which doesn't always work out. Um, you know, I, I think I remember you saying, Autumn, uh, that Kazra, you had, you know, you've made all these concept drawings of which you, you know, with the goal of passing them on to post uh, and hoping that you know that kind of helps the mm -hmm. you know the vision stay true all the way through. But you know. You know, I'd love to hear a little bit more if you guys feel, you know, like there's something to say about that, you know, and if you could stay on through post, you know, would you, you know, what would be the ideal scenario? Let, go first? Yeah, no, no, I'll let Kazer talk because I, yeah, I have an answer, but I'm actually curious what he's going to say because I think that uh, production designers, especially on such big visual pieces like this where there's a lot of concepts drawings and stuff that he's designing that how how can you not be there in post when you designed it so it can get a little confusing but yeah yeah i mean i think it you know definitely for a show like this i think it's important i it pro you know obviously it varies from one project to the next i guess based on how much uh visual effects there are and what the nature of those visual effects are but I do think that both for a production designer and for, in my opinion, cinematographer, it's like when you have like kind of significant visual spaces that are being constructed in post in, in, in a CG way, um, there still need to be designed and they still need to be lit. And, they, and the, the, you know, the photography virtual, albeit virtual of those environments still has to be composed in terms of cinematography. So we do what we can in the, t uh, as the resources, time and money allow during the prep period and the production period to kind of anticipate what the questions will be in, in set extension when we're gone uh, and provide a brief whether it's concept art for me, 
or lighting references from Autumn uh, or previses that in storyboards that she works up. Um, we do what we can in that period to prepare uh, to have like a, a good and faithful execution, visual execution of those things that are going to happen in post while we're not there. But depending on the project, uh, you know, a significant amount of visual questions may need to be answered after camera wrap. And I think that it's sort of on a project by project basis. I think it would be beneficial to the, to the project for production designers and cinematographers to continue to be involved in some way during that post process. Um, you know, I feel, I feel lucky on Loki because, you know, just being able to do what I did, which was create a pretty extensive package of conceptual imagery for what, what was going to be set extension, you know, for what the, what Lamentis looks like, what the uh, arc and Shrew looks like, what the planet flowing up above Lamentis looks like, what, uh, what the TVA expanse, that, that view out um, from the bridge and what the statues and the TVA archives look like. All that stuff like uh, takes uh, labor, takes uh, a lot of art department labor to research and design and illustrate. And I was lucky to have that kind of labor in my budget uh, on the show to be able to at least create that package uh, and send it off. On a lot of shows, maybe most shows, I would say, that's not really, you're not really resourced to do that. Um, so I think we were in better shape than most. Uh, but yeah, I would say, I think it would be even better if we could have some degree of consultation as those things are being executed in the post period, because it relates directly to the look that we're helping to set up, so. No, I was lucky I was around, right? It wasn't that I was around, I think, because it was my first big project and I cared a lot about it. Um, and then also, yeah, I mean, because um, Kaz wasn't there, I felt like, you know what, I just want to make sure that, you know, our stuff is, um, you know, kind of being looked after. And so making yourself available, whether you're getting paid or not, you know, is important, even on smaller projects, like, you know, we're DPs, we just do DIs, because we, you know, if, if, if there is funds or if there isn't. Um, but I was lucky enough to be in Atlanta for this post process, and Kate being obviously fine with me being involved in the producers and stuff. So, and then I would, I would, you know, text Kazra sometimes. And obviously, production designers like he's on other jobs and stuff so sometimes they just can't be available but like um but no I mean everyone was very thoughtful about his design and stuff and, and like you said he he did make these packages beforehand with that thought um that you know they would be referencing them in in the future so um but I agree I think I think that should come about and maybe it's something you put in your contract you know you because of who you are and how you like to work that you say, you know, I would love to take this job. It's very, you know, high visual effects job. You talk to the director and you say, you know, in post, I'd like to have maybe some five days when you're doing your VFX reviews to kind of just be there to just do a look-see. Um, so it's up to us too, I think, to, to ask that. Um, maybe, you know, I think about that now, but, um, but I agree, like, but yeah, I remember him doing just like references and illustrations for stuff that was gonna be done after the fact too, because we want to know what's in the background, you know, it's like, 
I, you know, they actually didn't provide, you know, because of time and, and we move so fast sometimes and things are getting created before we're, or sorry, they're, they're playing catch up because um, things are being written later. And so, you know, maybe his illustration is all that my lighting team and I have to work off of. So we would put that up knowing that, okay, so we don't have um, the plate yet, but we have this illustration. So it's helpful. Yeah, and Autumn's right. The other the other way that we were really lucky on this, or I think, is that Kate, our director, was like super tenacious advocate for the look that Autumn and I established. So like the concept art and stuff, Kate fought really hard in post in our absence. She protected that design. And I think that, you know, again, that comes through in the final product. So yeah. And I don't think that's always the case. I think we were lucky. Another way we were lucky here. Very much. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great idea. Great idea to kind of put that into your into our contracts. You know, whether like you said, whether it's monetized or not, that we you know, at least there's more, you know there could be more cohesion on all kinds of projects going through. Uh, I mean, I haven't done too many films. I'm more of a commercial DP, but I've I've seen lots of. Bad green screens work though. Like, what were people thinking when they when they put that background with our lighting? It's like so like, head smacking moment. Um, uh, you know, I'll just mute the camera for a second. I've got different thunder of my of my own. Just different. Yeah. Can you hear that? Probably. Um, uh, I don't know if you've got any questions for yourself, um, but um, before I ask my next question, uh, or and if you haven't, I'll ask my next question. Well, I was going to ask just one question. I mean, it's pretty sure. simple, but um, I was thinking because of our collaboration and just that went, you know, so great. When you're when you're doing these illustrations mm -hmm. um, and you're thinking about these, like that we're going to shoot and and you know they're going to be lit, and from your experience, like. What, at what part of the process will you backtrack or maybe you've designed something and you're like oh wait you know like you know do you backtrack and say well maybe that design's great but let me think about the fact that it's going to be shot and then you look at the scene and you're like oh maybe mm -hmm. I should make it a bit bigger or mm -hmm. taller because of this or there's a fight sequence and mm -hmm. uh, like I already know you do this I was just think I was just wanting you to answer um, mm -hmm. what your sure. process was because you're very thoughtful of a DP and as a production you designer you know that i admire i'm just wondering like what you do there so other pds can listen to this sure <laughs> well thank you so much i mean i think that uh part of why uh i'm so focused on lighting i think it's sort of the, one of the first things i think about in a design is because i was an illustrator for a long time and when you're when you're making concept art you know you're you're making the kind of first image uh, that a lot of people will look at that is a kind of visual representation of what's on the script, what's, in the, what's written in the script, what a lot of people will look at and then react to. And like, so the concept art is like, it's wrong almost 100% of the time. You make an image, it's wrong almost 100% of the time. And you iterate it and it becomes less and less wrong. And by the end, it's pretty, it can be pretty close, but even then, by the time it goes through set design and set construction, the final con piece of concept art may not be uh, better than 70% accurate to what you build. But what I think is 
accurate from the piece of concept art usually is the way the set feels. And the way it feels is informed by the way it's lit and the atmospherics. So I feel like if you're, if you make a successful illustration, it's probably because it's lit well, you know, and, or, you know, has the, has something that's working about it in terms of lighting, you know? And so I feel like um, that's part of the, I really do believe also generally that the, the production design is really lighting design. It's like a huge part of production design is lighting design. Mm -hmm. um, because you're, these are not restaurants or homes people live in. <laughs> these are places that are, their exclusive function is to be photographed. Mm -hmm. So like lighting design is, is a paramount part of production design, I think. Um, so you start from there and, uh, and work out as opposed to like, I think a lot of people who come from different backgrounds, they might start with the palette or they might start with the set dressing uh, and then they'll expand out from that and then they'll back into lighting, which may be a perfectly fine way to go for some sets and some stories. But I think, at least for me, it starts with the, uh, with the light. Actually, as he was talking, I was just going to say um, that's such a great answer is that uh, one thing that I think because I know him well is that lighting can be so tied into character and emotional, uh, just emotional response, emotional quality of the space. And, and, and I feel like I like to light, um, you know, and, 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 and frame things for whether what the scene needs or, you know, um, what you're bringing to the scene, like maybe it's not necessarily like handheld, but you're doing it with the lighting, you know, um, you're making strong lighting choices that uh, feel stark and, you know, scary or uh, romantic or all these things. And I think in these designs, he, that makes sense what you're saying, because you have like the time theater and, you know, it's so heavy in this brutalist architecture um, reference. And when you actually walk in these spaces as a person, you know, you go visit great architecture it's so emotional right and it has to do with the lighting and where it comes from and the bounced light and stuff and so and then the um you know miss minutes cue it's like you've got all the eyeballs watching you and it's very soft but it feels eerie and it's like all coming from the top so all these things I think are so emotional um and that's what I like about lighting is it can drive the emotion forward so I, I feel as though yeah what you say kind of goes along with kind of how I like to work. And so it makes, it makes complete sense. And so, but I think I wanted to ask that question because I think if you're an up and coming young production designer, I think that's a cool answer and, and mm -hmm. to think about because it helps me, you know, as a DP so much. Um, and I see these movies now and you can see the collaboration between those two parties. And it, it just, it works so much better when those departments are collaborating, um, mm -hmm. you get better results. Yeah. Well, that brings me to my question, my first question for you, which is, you kind of touched on it just now, actually, um, but I'd like to hear you talk more about what your thought process is on it. Is like your the way you frame is so unique and so different than most uh, most cinematographers. Like the way you choose to cover things and 
where you put the camera, what lens you use. Um, so when you're composing a frame, what are what are some of the, I know this is a very basic question, but like, what are some of the things that you're thinking about um, when you're composing a frame? Yeah, I mean, it. it's really, it's kind of what I said before. It's so emotional for me, you know, it's like, but when you're given a great space and you go into a great space that has great light, right? Like say you scout it and, and you can see that it will have great light in the future and it's an existing house. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you show me the, the concept art and I'm like, oh, you're already driving that. And I'm like, oh, I can sense that a great wide shots from here. I'm already getting backlight and depth, you know, but mm-hmm. yet uh, where does the light come from? Where's the depth? Where's the angle of depth? Um, mm-hmm. And just kind of foreground, midground, and background, really. But also mm-hmm. staying true to kind of my OCD with like kind of keeping everything center punched and yeah. symmetrical and you know, the rule of thirds, I'm, that's just kind of my taste that it's hard yeah. to break me from that. So my operators kind of get on my case, but um, it really is about w- walking into a good space. Cause there, there are a lot of spaces that are hard to, to find wide shots, but mm-hmm. you know, you, you can find one, but um, when someone's designing something with, with that in mind, like a, a good wide shot that that's helpful, but mm-hmm. yeah, if it doesn't feel right, then I'll scrap it. Cause so many times, like you know, I put the camera somewhere or, you know, you put it on a shoulder and you're like, mm, that doesn't feel right. And emotionally, you're just, you know, if I'm operating, you're, you, you can sense that as an operator that it's not feeling right. Then you put on a dolly and you do something on, on track. But mm-hmm. um, I'm used to operating myself. So Loki was the second time in my career that I didn't operate a camera and it was hard. But, um, you know, you, if you find someone with the sensibility close to yours, then you can kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. you get taken care of very well but um Mm -hmm. yeah it's very emotional like you just feel it like if it feels wrong sure um but it has to do with kind of space and depth and light where the light's coming from Mm -hmm. Mm. let me let me lead on from that actually just before we change subjects um how if you go into a project and maybe this one specifically uh are you looking at the character and are you trying to tell a, a story arc within the lighting and the camera operating, like the framing, or are you just letting the scene, you know, you're taking each scene, you know, as it comes, uh, you know, within itself. So let's say, for example, like Loki's character from the from the episode one to episode six, you know, changes, even though there is there is a bit of a shift where he has that moment of realization you know, uh, you know, is there is there an element of story arc reflected in in the lighting to help his journey or the camera framing, or you know, does that is that just you know, are you, like I said, or is that not represented like that? You know, are you just you know, responding to the emotional impact of each scene specifically? I think with this, I mean, in the past, you know, you on smaller stuff like yeah, I mean, maybe sometimes you're winging it but not with this. I mean, so much came before me, like it's on the page, right? And in his designs, I mean, you look at the color arc with these episodes and they're very bold, you know? Um, and we, we talked a lot about color in, in our meetings and, um, you know, and, and the emotional quality of that came up, you know, as far as like their relationship and being romantic. And then, you know, 
um, even to timekeepers. Is it timekeepers? What's the one that I like, Kessler? That's like all top. <laughs> you got the big fight that I like with the soft top light and the, the timekeepers on the wall. Oh yeah, the timekeepers chamber. Yeah, chamber, yeah. chamber. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and we did testing for those colors and stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously the colors are are thoughtful and you know, it crescendos into something that has a mixed color palette that's moving, um, which goes along to, what is it, um, you know, um, alternate universe. What am I thinking of, Cass? The, the, uh, the multiverse. The multiverse. Yeah, multiverse, yeah, the multiverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the timeline and stuff. But yeah, I think this this has the opportunity and, and on the page, there was a lot of opportunity for color shifts and exploration of color mm. and, you know, Kaz was doing that with Kate because they would come up with stuff and then, you know, in their, you know, conceptual meetings and then, you know, I would be, you know, brought in, you know, um, and we, and we would do testing and stuff, but, but yeah, I feel like I, I don't necessarily think that it was all set out for us. Like, I didn't feel like that, um, you know, like this is, we're going to move from one color to the next color to the next color, at least for, for in my department. Um, but it was a conversation and exploration and um, it was very thoughtful. Like we, colors were chosen for a reason. Um, and um, yeah, I think Kate and, and, and Kasra were like coming up with these ideas and then we'd have meetings about which one worked and stuff like that. And I, I, think, I think that it's also, I think sort of what you're, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but maybe what I, what I think you're, you're asking about Matthew is like, did, did the, um, lighting correlate to the emotional progression. And I think like, I think it did in my opinion, but it's it's less so about like tracking one character and more about like the episodes. Mm -hmm. They they obviously intense, intensify, right? The stakes intensify. Um, so even if Autumn and I never specifically had a conversation with ourselves or Kate about like, the palettes or the lighting intensifying as the uh, show progressed, it sort of happens based on an individual episode by episode basis. And then within each episode, they obviously intensify as you move towards the end. So like that sort of happens, I think the narrative, a well-written narrative prescribes that kind of effect to the visuals sort of. It must be interesting for, for you, if you've done mostly movies and you know going to a TV show, and you get the opportunity to make that progression across mm -hmm. that, each episode as you would perhaps within within the period of an hour, is that is that more fun, more freeing, or is it just a different experience for both of you? It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Um, I mean, it was fun also because we just had a lot of variety. It's also why it was hard, but <laughs> because it was like six Marvel movies. Uh, so it was fun, but hard because of that. <laughs> you had no gray hair, gray beard before the beginning of the series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, this is all fake. Yeah, exactly. All... I can't remember. Same here. Same yeah. here. <laughs> not gray. No, this is a, this is a Zoom filter. This is not... <laughs> Everyone's always trying to make themselves look better. We're trying to make yeah. ourselves look older. Right. Um, you know, uh, I'm conscious of time. I, I want to wrap things up soon, but I wanted to. I kind of save these kind of questions towards the, you know, the, towards the end. Unless again, you had any more questions for each other. But um, uh, how how long was the was the show? Was the filming? 
and the prep combined, would you say? That's just a lead into my next question. I just had to answer this, but I forgot to write it down. So I was hoping you had one. <laughs> I mean, I can I don't remember how many days we shot. I know that prep started 80 something. We shot 80 something. 80 something days. Not including reshoots, I don't think. Or is it 60 something? Maybe the sixes. I mean, I think I think I started my prep like I, I remember the day because it was my dad's birthday it was september 5th 2019 hmm. and um we wrapped in beginning of december and then we went back for a month of reshoots in january so we wrapped in december of 2020 uh and then we went back for a month of reshoots in january of 2021 now keep in mind that six months of that time we were shut for COVID, um, working uh, to a degree. We were all working to a degree, having meetings and things, but- We finished in December? I think we finished early December. Am I wrong? No. no I think that's right. Because we did reshoots in February, I know that. Oh, it was February's reshoots, not reshoots, January. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about a, it was a, yeah. And it was actually, I say a month of reshoots. It was a month of prep. It was only a few days of photography, uh, every shoot photography, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, it's a fair amount of time. I mean, so the reason the reason I ask, uh, we, I, we've discussed this on previous film roundtables, but um, you know, the impact of that time on your, on your personal lives. Um, so, you know, and I'll ask you both separately, but Kazra, I believe your your wife was pregnant during prep, and you know you had you had your baby during the production. And uh, I'm interested to know what kind of toll that, that I have two two kids, five year old and a seven year old, and it's hard enough in the commercial world. Uh, and um, you know, I have dipped my toe a little bit into into television, and I know how hard it is. Uh, very topic the you know topical conversation right now, of course, but um. Uh, you know, and then you autumn, you know, being a working DP and, you know, your husband partner being a working DP and you have a five-year-old, I believe, right? So, I mean, when you're both, you know, sucked into this these worlds for so long, you know, how does it impact your lives personally, you know? Uh, because again, this is, this is something that people don't really think about when, they, when they're starting out their careers. No, it's true. I'll let Cass go first. <laughs> um it's hard it's very hard um my wife came with me to atlanta uh she was um pregnant when i got this job so we kind of just we planned for that um but yeah it's really tricky i mean it's not ideal circumstances to have your first child across the country from your family uh the third week of shooting or something, you know, uh, which is what happened. And then it's certainly not ideal with what followed that last year specifically, which is, that you know, my, my daughter was born and I, I took a week off of work to spend that with my daughter and my wife. And then I went back to work for a week and then the pandemic happened and we shut down. Um, so, you know, being away and then also having a world shut down and having a newborn, we just, because nobody knew what to do, we just stayed there. So we ended up, we ended up in Atlanta, even though we weren't 
going to work physically and it didn't have to be in Atlanta just because of circumstances and not wanting to travel with a newborn in the middle of all of that. So yeah, it's a definitely uh, one of the one of the challenges of this job and increasingly it's increasingly the case since I've been in this business about 20 years um, is that one of the costs is that you're on the road. Um, and so the answer is what toll did it take? I don't know, it, it, but it, you know, my wife couldn't, couldn't work. My wife's a working professional with a career. She's worked quite hard to, to get. She does a very hugely important job. She's a speech, speech pathologist, works with people who are surviving stroke and dealing with dementia. And yeah, so she was basically had to put that on hold to come to Atlanta for me to do this. Um, and yeah, so in terms of going forward, like we're just figuring it out one project at a time. We don't we don't know exactly how it's going to work. You know, like the you know this past year I was at home, and she went back to work, and um, and I took some jobs here. I passed on a few jobs. Uh, and you know, next year is a different story again. So it's, it's, a, it basically becomes a, a, one of the more significant things, uh, variables in organizing your lives together. You know, it's just part of this business. Yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, mine's my situation is difficult because we do the same thing and you know as a dp you 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 get it matthew um and and you know caster does too but um not all the jobs that you and your partner want to take are going to be at the same time right i'm sorry like in the right time frame like to to do do the back and forth like okay this is your turn this is my turn and mm -hmm. that would be ideal right where you'd be thoughtful enough to be like okay let's support each other in that way where it'd be your turn and my turn because that's then someone can be there for your child when um the other person's working but because um you know adam's constantly getting offered very interesting projects it you know he has ended up you know being very supportive of my career and then you know watching aiden while um i do my my projects and um so on and so forth but recently you know i've i did loki and then you know, something directly after. So we've had to have family come help in, um, come help us. And my parents play a huge role in helping us um, watch our son while we have um, jobs at the same time, because we're working at the same time now. Um, so you, you, as, as he said, it's like you, it, you, it's case by case, every year is different and you just have to be supportive um, and it's not perfect. And um, most importantly, just, be there for your children as much as you can be, whether that's on FaceTime or making sure the people that they're with are enriching their lives and that you can visit them as much as possible and check in. And that's really what it's about. It's, you know, at some point when you decide to have a partner that's working partner and isn't home and, um, and can't be home all the time watching your child, you you have to share that, that um, passion for what you do. and. Um, and be supportive. So it's really, yeah, like he, like he said, it's like every year you just kind of get thrown a big, you know, explosion and you're just trying like, you know, piece yourself and your family together to make it work. Um, yeah, I really don't know how to answer it because in, in this whole um, strike thing, not to, to, to 
get into that, but it really is important. I mean, I was thinking about it in all these stories, you know, people are like working, they don't get to see their families. I mean, with regulations, it would play such a huge role in, in certain people being able to maybe tuck their kids in a bed at night or yeah. to prevent arguments or, you know, just a plethora of you know, yes. things that will it's keep true. families together and keep people healthy and sane. So uh, these small um, choices that we make to structure our working hours and um, it helps keep these, our family lives with some, you know, um, you know, just to help ease the burden of that kind of uh, heartache that everyone around us feels when they're working for someone who's on set 13 to 16 hours a day. So, yeah, uh, well, that, that's very well said. That's exactly right. It's a very relevant question at this moment, Matthew. Yeah. Um, so I hope everything, I, I hope small, you know, baby steps, but I do hope that stuff is some small resolutions come to play because it, it could, it just saves, you know, people's lives that we don't think about every day, you know, and yeah. it's important to everybody, our crew, you know, people that work for us and have a lot going on that we don't get to talk to them about because we're too busy working 16 hours and we're so stressed that we don't even stop to think like, are you good? Are you and your wife good? Uh, have you seen your son in five <laughs> years? You know, it's like, <laughs> oh wait, so you haven't seen your son in five years? Oh, you know. Yeah, we take it so much for granted to, so much. I mean, you know, from an outside perspective, uh, people who who are not familiar with the filmmaking process, they just see, you know, and I'm, I'm sure this has been discussed ad nauseum, but uh, the glamour and the glitz and the excitement, you know, especially for you guys working on, you know, on a Disney show, it probably doesn't get much bigger than that and much cooler, the pinnacle of, you know, of, of you know, the size of, and scope of, of production. But yeah, on, on the other end, it's exactly what you guys just said. It's you know, what's the cost and, you know, we throw, we all have such passion for what we do and we, we want to give it our all to the detriment of, of, our, of ourselves and, and those around us on some level. And if there were these regulations to kind of remind us, oh yeah, we do, so we do it every now and again. We, we, there are, we have lives, you know, outside of our work life, you know, then a lot of relationships would be saved and, and bettered. Um, so fingers crossed there. Um, do you do you guys have any parting questions or parting thoughts you want to you know any or, you know, before we wrap it up? Uh, I will just say that um, it was a joy to work with Autumn on this, um, and and the and we have I, it would be remiss not to mention we, that we had honestly just a kind of an exceptionally talented and nice uh, group of people to work with in terms of the other department heads and the production people that we're working with, uh, uh, Kate, Kevin, Michelle, and Christine, our costumes, and all these people are just like, just I think we got lucky with finding uh, a project that had these particular collaborators who are creatively and personally in sync with us. And I'm grateful for the experience and I fully expect it may be a while before I can uh, have another experience that's quite like it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well said, I concur. Yeah, it's just, it was very, very unique. And I'm happy that for me and, 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 and him too, it, it was like our first kind of showcase of kind of our, um, our work, like it was my longest project thus mm -hmm. far. Um, and 
where you can exercise your creativity. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I, I wanted, like, I like doing these talks. I've only done one other one with great friend and then doing this one with casserole, but I was just excited to do it. Cause I really do like, whenever I have a project, like production design are so important to me and it usually ends up being someone who I'm super good friends with. Um, and, and it's just so rewarding because it is such a hard job and um, long hours and it's so creative, but to, to be able to work with people that you admire and, and have similar taste and um, that kind of drive you to, to make great images. I mean, you, that you can't ask for more. So I hope that people watching like that are younger and coming up, uh, look for those opportunities. And you, you know, rec a lot of DP friends that I have, you're recommending production designers a lot. And, it's same for a production designer on the other side of it. So it's like, you know, you have choices in your career to, to choose people to work with. And so I look forward to working with him again and just Likewise. like saying like, watch out, like it'll be something cool for sure. I was gonna say, I, you guys are probably spoiled now. You know, it's gonna be hard to, kind of <laughs> replicate, <laughs> to replicate. No, that. trust me, yeah. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's uh, one of the things that, you know, that we try to stress on, on our roundtables, uh, the film roundtable, is the sense of community and teamwork and how important the, 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 the team is to success of any project. And it's great right. to, to hear you guys both, you know, kind of, you know, really support that message. And, you know, the, obviously the proof's in the pudding right here with you two both, you know, fantastically talented people. Uh, but you know alone you would have done a great job but together you've done an amazing job so yeah that's great, I think um, that's great. well I, I want to thank you both for your time uh thank today. you thank really you enjoyed it, it yeah it was fun chat thank you very yeah. much for for asking us thanks guys it was great look forward to chatting more with you guys on, a, on another great project that you that you'll have done together or singularly yeah. separately but um uh before we sign off i just want to thank um a quick shout out to the rest of the film roundtable team aaron weil doug torres maria prieto and uh, jimena prieto uh thank you everyone for listening and for your continued support uh for these roundtables and the platform and uh please follow us on instagram and uh at film roundtable and subscribe to our podcast and our youtube page and get updates uh, the upcoming talks for one many more fascinating ones like this one and Thanks a lot, guys, and good luck with your careers and look forward to watching you continue to, sh to shine and do great work. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks, Sam. Cheers. Take care. Bye.